Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Well, would you turn with me this morning to uh, Psalm 23? continue to uh, unpack uh, this very familiar psalm, and uh, I know as we march through it verse by verse, there are good things being revealed to us, so I trust that you are uh, just experiencing a blessing as we uh, march through it. While you're turning there, I want to just give you one uh, more quick uh, little update just in regards to a piece of uh, information that came back to me. Uh, this week, and I'm going to share with you a name that you've probably never heard of, okay? And then I'll kind of give you the, the, the background and the story behind it. But uh, Alice Johnson uh, received an email from uh, her family uh, this week from California just uh, informing the church that uh, last week uh, she went home to be with the Lord. And you may be saying, who is Alice Johnson? Well, I've uh, shared, you know, several times over the years, just our history a little bit. And um, Rock Church was nomadic (laughs) when we began, kind of started as a home Bible study and went to different storefronts. They'd outgrow the space, they'd find someplace else. And then in 1946, they built the first building on 11th and Wills. And uh, as they began to be established as a, a more permanent congregation within the city, they we're praying earnestly for a pastor. And it was a, it was a lengthy process. They called a couple of people who accepted um, an invite to pulpits in other cities. And in 1946, Philip and Alice Johnson were the ones who came to pastor Rock Church. And uh, they did so all the way up until just about the time we moved to this campus. And uh, she went home to be with the Lord at the age of 99. Uh, in California just about a week ago, and uh, her kids uh, made a very clear note that she missed her 100th birthday by about two and a half months, so they uh, just gave us that update and wanted the church to know, and I just share that with you so that you can be praying for the family, Uh, a good long life, a servant of the Lord. We know where she is at, you know, but uh, nonetheless, you know, they are experiencing her loss and it's very fresh to them, so we'll be praying for God's comfort and peace. So as we uh, turn to the 23rd Psalm today, we're going to read it again, but uh, I'm just going to ask you, you doing okay on this dark, rainy Sunday? I'm not convinced, okay? I'm just wondering if we're all alive a little bit this morning, okay? This looks a little bit more like a Thursday night than an 8 a.m., so... Either a whole bunch of your friends are coming to the 10 o'clock or uh, they are out of town for the weekend. But um, let's just kind of uh, shake off the gloominess and uh, receive life from God's word this morning as we read uh, the 23rd Psalm. And we'll uh, do it again just as a way to help it settle into our hearts. In verse 1, David writes this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I like some of the songs that have been written because they take that forever and they say forever and ever and ever, just reminding us that it will be an everlasting hope and peace and promise that we experience when that moment comes. So may God add his blessing to the reading of his word, and as we move forward, we're going to look at verse 2 today. And as I looked at verse 1 and verse 2, I saw a very similar kind of pattern and a very similar response that we have a tendency of making as we uh, look at this first portion of Psalm 23. And you'll remember last week that we unpacked that very short phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And in that declaration, David was reminding the people, reminding us today that there are many shepherds that we can put our lives under, but he had made the choice to have the Lord be his shepherd. And the byproduct of that decision was a perfect provision that he was experiencing in his life and that he would not want. And now today in verse 2, we see that there are really two key phrases that are coming out of that verse, and they are, he makes me and he leads me. And in making those statements, David is kind of revealing to us what everyday life looks like. The Lord makes me, the Lord leads me, and those processes and those workings of the Lord in his life bring him to some imagery that is very peaceful and prevalent and things that artists have made some fantastic artwork around. There are green pastures and there are still waters. But the similar pattern is this, and I think that a similar response that we have maybe as a culture to verses 1 and 2 is we want to jump right to step 2, and that we We step towards the perfect provision of the I shall not want statement, but we forget that it's conditioned by making the Lord our shepherd, so we want to skip the first step and go right to step two, and we can do that in verse two where we say we get excited about green pastures, we get excited about still waters, we say, Lord, you know, allow these things to be a part of my life. This is the experience with you that I want, and I believe David would say to us this morning, it is a good thing to want those destinations in our spiritual journey, but we must understand that we can't step, we can't skip the first step, and that we need to allow the Lord to lead us and to make us, because that is the way that we arrive at those destinations of green pastures and still water. So we're going to take a look at those two phrases this morning so that we can understand what they mean and so that we can uh, gain some clear definition in regards to, you know, what it means to have the Lord be our shepherd and how he works in us on a daily basis. So he makes me is the first key phrase of verse two there. And on the surface, that phrase might sound a little forceful. 
he makes me. It seems a little strong-armed. It's, it might raise up some questions within you, like, what does this mean? Is, is the Lord a bully? Does He force me? Does He twist my arm into things? Maybe some of you have, you know, kind of uh, some experiences from uh, maybe your childhood kind of resurfacing within you when maybe one of your parents said to you, you know, don't make me come over there. You know, so maybe at, at first glance we, we see this phrase, he makes me, and it kind of stirs up some things that are not positive or maybe very difficult to grapple with. So does this verse tell us that God makes us do things? Well, no. God has given us a free will, so we make our own choices. Many have referred to the work of the Holy Spirit within us in this life as as one that is defined by the fact that He is a gentleman. In other words, He knocks on the door, we open it. There is this this, uh, partnership and relationship between us and the Holy Spirit. So what does this word make and this phrase, He makes me, mean? It is referring to kind of a very, uh, very specific process that oftentimes is at work in us, refers to an action that has been or is being caused by someone. In other words, David is referring to an action that we take because of something someone else has done. Let me share with you a lighthearted example of this, and I want to tell you about a time when I was younger, I believe about the age of 10, when I threw my uncle out the window, okay? Um, Let me just put your heart at ease. It was not a two-story window, okay? We were living in my grandparents' home. It was a ranch house uh, down in Byron. And uh, at this time in my life, my mom, my sister, and I were living with my grandparents, and I had an aunt and an uncle that were still in the house, one still in high school, one just recently graduated. This uncle became um, just a very key figure in my life, a father figure. Uh, Many of the outdoor things I enjoy today are because of him. And on this particular day, we were in his room just kind of horsing around and, uh, uh, you know, wrestling and just kind of being boys. And it quickly turned into the discovery of a ball, and I whipped that ball at him, and I hit him with it, and then he whipped the ball, and he missed me, and it went out the window. And uh, he began to lean out the window to get the ball, and he began to lean a little bit more, he began to lean a little bit more until the point where his feet are on the windowsill, his hands are in the backyard, he's stretching towards the ball to recover it and to get it, and as a 10-year-old boy, I looked at this and I said, I will never get the opportunity to do this again. So I picked up his feet and I gave him a nudge, and in a split second, he's laying on his stomach in the backyard with ball in hand. And since we were already in a, in a little bit of a, of, of, a, of a wrestling kind of mood, it just kind of amped that up as the adrenaline got rolling and he jumped up through the window. We got back in the room and we went at it. So what does that story have to do with this phrase, he makes me? 
Well, that story just simply illustrates that my action of throwing the ball at him and the ball going out the window caused him to reach out the window. His action of reaching out the window caused me to make a choice to throw him out the window. And if we take this word make and translate it more literally to the word cause, the opening of verse 2 looks like this. He continually causes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, the Lord as our shepherd, the one under whom we've placed our lives, is the one who leads us to places that we cannot go ourselves because he is the only one who can get us there. Now, this idea is significant because it does not just have application that relates to daily direction, but rather it has application to our identity. It has application to how we face the challenges. Because if we look at the Lord as the one who causes us to experience things that we cannot accomplish within our own strength, we recognize that the jurisdiction for that is not just a thing here and a thing there, but it has application to the whole of our lives. And let me just kind of unpack it a little bit more in this way. The cross causes us to receive forgiveness of our sin. What He did on the cross purchased and made a way for what we cannot accomplish within ourselves. 2 Corinthians 2.14 tells us that He always causes us to triumph in the Lord Jesus. And that reminds us that a cause... A result of what Christ has done for us is that Christ's victory causes us to be able to overcome. So he causes us, based upon his actions, to live a reality of new life in him that purchased and made a way for the things that we cannot receive or accomplish in and of ourselves. So David is telling all of us that in this phrase he makes us, that he causes us to experience things that are only found in him when we place our lives under his authority. So here's the implication and the hope that that stirs within us this morning. As we look at our lives, sometimes we don't have the sense to know when it's time to lie down. But when we are following the Lord and have a life submitted to Him, we can be confident that He will cause us to receive what we need and when we need it. Renewal and refreshing and replenishing are found in Christ alone. But here's the key, and and, and, and here is kind of a a, a one thought building upon another that David is giving us in this verse 2, because he goes from he causes me to he leads me, and a part of moving into the reality of what Christ has purchased for us necessitates the fact that we are allowing him to lead us, David declares. 
we need to understand how the shepherd leads us as we move into this phrase, he leads me beside the still waters. Ponder this question for a moment. How does the Lord lead his people? I mean, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to to maybe recount within your own mind how the Lord has led you up to this point. And I want that to become kind of a springboard and a starting place so that we can can look at, in a more general sense and in a broader way, how the Lord leads us as His people. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we would have to say that knowing how the Lord leads is very important in knowing how to follow Him. The Scriptures make it clear that The Lord does not lead us like so many of the other forms of leadership that we are used to. You know, if you've ever been to a football game, you know that the coach leads from the sideline. He's on the sideline, oftentimes a headset or hand signals, and he's watching his team. He's he's observing the, the tendencies of the opponent, and he's from the sideline leading his team. I remember this very clearly from my high school days because as uh, we were on defense, the, the coach would, would give me a sign so that we could get the defense in the right position. And it would often look like a, uh, a third base coach from a baseball game. You know, there'd be you know, the, the touch of the nose and a, a certain hand gesture and you know, touching a certain part of the body. And as I watched that, he would be relaying things to me that I needed to tell the other 10 teammates so that we could hopefully be in the right position. But you know, from the sideline, there is an imperfect position to see all that is going on. The Lord doesn't lead like that. You know, a general leads from a command center oftentimes that is very far away from the front lines. And he is, he is uh, dependent upon information that is coming back to him from people who are forward operators under uh, the uh, enemy territory. And, and as he receives that information, he makes his best judgment call. And sometimes he hits the mark and sometimes he doesn't. And I want you to know today that that is not how the Lord leads us. He is not leading from a command center that is behind us and far away from the front lines. But rather, Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 4, tells us how he leads. John writes, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The Lord does not lead us from the sideline. He does not lead us from behind, but He leads us from a forward position. He goes before. Now, why is that significant? The people hearing this in David's time uh, understood some things that are not common to our culture in that the one who leads the sheep from behind is not the shepherd, but rather the butcher. Leading them into the place where they will eventually be slaughtered. But the Lord is the one who leads us by going before us. 
And that should stimulate confidence within us because he is not leading us as lambs being led to the slaughter. He is not leading us from a position that may or may not see what is in front of us accurately, but rather he is leading us from the front because he knows the way and because he is the way, John fourteen six. So we can be confident in the leading of the Lord, more confident than any other form of leadership. That we are familiar with. So let's understand sheep a little bit more as we look at this forward leading of the Lord that we are called to follow. Paul said to the church in Corinth, follow me as I follow Christ. We're called to follow Christ. The forward leadership of the Lord. And here's a part of the reason why. Sheep are nearsighted. They do not have complete vision. They're very limited in their ability to discern what is going on around them. They cannot smell water. They have no sense of direction. And as a result, they cannot find still water on their own. And we're kind of like that ourselves sometimes. We don't see clearly. All of our senses are not necessarily leading us to that place that we need to find in the Lord. But here is the good news for you and for me. When we know the shepherd and follow his lead we can be confident that he will take us to places we cannot find on our own. And David says that looks like green pastures and still waters. Everything the sheep needs for life and abundance. So how do we follow the leading of the Lord? I don't know if your story is similar to mine, but I I have answered that question in my life at times by randomness. You know, just sometimes I think I stumble into it, sometimes I think it's clear, and sometimes I just feel absolutely lost, right? And I think a part of following Christ and a part of growing in our faith and maturing in our walk with Him looks like you know, learning answers to questions like, how do we follow the Lord? And how do we follow His lead? Well, Jesus gives us, you know, some specific keys in regards to how we can follow His lead. Because He says in John 10, 4, that His sheep will know His voice. So here are two keys to following the Lord. One is you make him your shepherd, you follow him, and then the second one is this, you listen for his voice. So following very much incorporates listening into our journey. So I want to give you four things real quick that give us a picture 
of how we listen for the voice of the Lord. And it creates some context for how you know, God may speak to us and how He might reveal His leadership in our lives. I'm going to give them to you real quick. And some of them are going to be familiar. Maybe a couple of them will be new. But how does God speak? I want you to recognize this morning that number one, sometimes He speaks through decree. Sometimes we end up where he wants us and not where we expected to be. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 16. We have Paul and Silas. They're in Philippi. They have a very brief opportunity to share the gospel. They end up in jail. Probably not where Paul wanted to be but apparently right where the Lord wanted him to be because the result is the salvation of the jailer and his household. And even though Paul was not able to stay much longer, a church is established and we have the epistle in the New Testament today. Sometimes the Lord speaks through decree in the sense that we end up where he wants us and not where we expect it. And I think that in those moments where we see a situation going a little bit differently, we see change coming upon our lives, we have to trust the Lord in the sense that we are open to what He is wanting to do and not staying married to how we think things should go. That's exactly where Paul and Silas found themselves and they kind of give us a window into how we can have a heart like that because in the middle of being in jail, what were they doing? They're singing and praising the Lord. So sometimes the Lord speaks to us through decree. Sometimes He speaks to us by providing direction. God reveals His direction in the Scripture. Hopefully this is not new to any of us today, but I want to affirm the fact that Scripture plays a primary role of direction in the lives of God's people because through the Scripture, God reveals His direction to us. And it oftentimes comes in the form of things like this that we read. Do not steal. Love your enemy. Put on humility. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every time we hear and read these instructions from the Word of God, they are directional. They are saying, point your life in this direction. Apply this truth to your journey. Make this something that will define who you are. Scripture is a directional means by which God speaks to us. Sometimes God speaks to us through discernment. I think this is why in the book of Revelation, as the letters are being provided to the churches... John records the words of Jesus to the churches, and there is a phrase that goes from one church to the next, and it is this, may may you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Sometimes there is a discernment that needs to size up our current reality and give us direction for the future, and that oftentimes looks like a process of seeing our hearts and our minds shaped and renewed, and kind of made new. As God declares specific things through His Word, specific things in regards to what we are to do as we follow Him, the Spirit shapes us. 
He renews us. He refines us. He transforms us. It's through word, through prayer, through counsel. Sometimes there is a discerning process that unfolds. You know, oftentimes our prayer is, Lord, um, give me the discernment quickly, and then I believe sometimes the Lord res- Lord's response is, the answer will come, but the process of finding it is just as valuable as discovering what the answer is. And finally, God speaks to us We're to have ears to hear his declaration. Uh, I would say that uh, my, from my observation, this is uh, the least common but the most sought after because there are those times where God just declares us to do something. We see it in Acts chapter 9, verse 26 in the life of Philip. These are the events that lead up to his encounter with uh, the Ethiopian and the gospel going to Ethiopia. Luke records these words, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down for Jerusalem to Gaza. So there are those moments in time where God declares something, and it's in a split second. He says, Go, do, pray. Whatever the assignment is, there's no question in regards to what it is because it's in a split second. The Lord reveals it to us. And you know, that's what we always long for, right? We want the quick, the declaration. And God does speak that way sometimes. We saw that in the life of Paul, right? The Macedonian call. You know, don't go this way, go this way. I've had a couple of examples of this in my life. One as a child. The first grade, six years old, I climbed to the very top of the monkey bars and I think it's going to be a good idea to stand on my own two feet and jump off. And I, I literally heard a voice that said, don't do it. And I didn't listen. And I fell. And I ended up that night in the hospital with a concussion. You know, so sometimes the Lord does speak that way. And knowing His voice. And having ears to hear what the Spirit is saying can, can in a split moment sometimes give us very clear direction. So through decree and direction and discernment and declaration, we, the sheep, hear and follow the lead of the Good Shepherd. And that's kind of a, a, kind of a general application to our lives. And David, in Psalm 23, gets very specific regarding two things that the shepherd wants to cause us to experience or or make us experience in that he wants to lead us into. And those are the visual pictures that we are given of green pastures and still waters. So I'm going to talk for just a moment about the green pastures because those green pastures, scholars tell us over the centuries, are symbolic of God's peace. Why is peace important in our lives? Well, it's because there's a peace that only God gives His people that we are to experience. And then the Lord knows our nature because sheep are naturally anxious creatures. 
They're a nervous species, much like we are at times. And David, in telling us that he makes us to lie down in green pastures, is telling us that we can expect and hope for and experience a peace within our lives that is not of this world, but only comes from the Good Shepherd whose voice we hear and whose lead we follow. You've heard me say this before, but, you know, within the Scripture, the phrase, do not fear, or something like it, is within the Old and New Testament some 365 times. So God giving us for each day of the year a reminder of why we do not need to be anxious and can live and walk in peace. And above and beyond that, we, we see scriptures like this. Job eleven nineteen: you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. Psalm 4, 8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Security and peace are a byproduct of having spent time in the presence of the shepherd. And this is a a literal reality. As the shepherd guides his flock and as they hear his voice and know his presence, this creature that is naturally anxious transitions to a place of security and rest and peace. Why? Because they know who is caring for them. It's the same for us. I want you to just kind of tuck away in your heart today what He makes me lie down in green pastures reminds us of. And it's this, His peace is both internal and it's eternal. And we experience it as we follow Him. Knowing the shepherd and following His lead leads us to the place where peace is found. And I want that to be a a, a thought that transitions us into communion. I'm going to come down off the platform and onto the table, and I want you to, uh, to do this. As we remember what Christ has done on the cross for us, I want you to think for a moment about what following Him looks like and what it calls us to. And to just kind of make the choice to place yourself under his care again today and to ask him for a greater sense of his peace being at work in you. But I want to give you one additional thing also. Because David talks about peace, but then he also talks about rest. And the Bible says a lot about rest. 
It reminds us that there is a rest that only comes from the Lord that He invites us to enter into. And it's, it's, it's a significant part of the Christian life that we, we learn to enter into His rest because if, if, if we don't, we will become depleted and weak and weary. And as David says, he leads me beside the still waters. Many have referred to those waters as the waters of rest. Restful waters. And, and, and it, there's, a, there's a, a process being here. And, and I want you to see for a moment that, that entering into the rest of the Lord is not something that is random. It is not something that we just kind of stumble into it's, it, it, it doesn't even kind of look like a vacation day because I think that's the picture that we have within our minds. And we might even convince ourselves at times that if I could just have a day at the beach, I would feel so much more refreshed and strong. When he leads me beside the still waters of rest, we are being reminded that rest is not ra- random, but rather it is a a rhythm that we enter into as we follow the Lord. And that rhythm of Psalm 23 is something that gives us a routine that defines what following Him looks like. And it's this. Green pastures come before the still waters. The picture of green pastures being this. The shepherd leads his sheep early in the day to the place where the lush, tender grass exists that will fill them and nourish them and not make them sick, but rather give them life. And a part of the reason why they become peaceful and secure is that when a a sheep has a full stomach filled with the right things, their posture literally changes. They go from standing and looking around to lying on their belly. And a thing that the shepherd observes is that the the sheep are at peace when they are lying on their bellies with their legs crossed and tucked in. Green grass for us is the Word of God. It's the words that the shepherd has spoken that we are called to listen to. And I want you to be reminded of what Jesus said. John six thirty five. I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. That is what the green pastures accomplish and produce within our lives. As Jesus stood toe-to-toe with Satan in the wilderness and was under temptation, Matthew 4.4 gives us the words that Jesus declared, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The written word, the spoken word of God is that which fills us, that which satisfies us, that which, which opens the door of peace, that which makes us secure. 
and we do not enter into his rest without it. Rest is not random, but rather it is a rhythm or a routine because we don't enter into rest without first spending time in green pastures. So this is a call to consume the Word of God, to be filled with the Word of God, to have your security raised because of the truth and the promises of the Word of God. Green pastures remind us that that we live in a world with predators and things that want to tear us down. But we are under the care of the one who always causes us to triumph. So we move from green pastures to being led by the still waters of his rest. Green pastures always come before the still waters. Peace and rest fill us when we replace circumstances with the Scripture. I want to take that a little bit farther because Peter tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. And I want to tell you that when you, you cast your cares upon the Lord... The space that is created in you, don't leave it empty, but fill it with the Word of God. Consume the Scripture. Eat of the bread of life that causes you to never hunger and to never be thirsty again. So it's not just something that we stumble into or something that we schedule like a vacation. But peace and rest are a rhythm that we establish in our lives. And then the sheep gives us this picture of how we receive all that the Word of God has to give us. Because the sheep are led to the waters of rest so that they can consume the word again because like other livestock they regurgitate and they chew upon that which they have consumed several times until it can be fully digested so as we come to communion today the cross is where it all began We're reminded of sacrifice, of shed blood, of broken body, of resurrection power. That we've been given all that we need for life and godliness, to follow him and to hear his voice. But we're called to remember those things. And as we remember them, let's be intentional on establishing a rhythm to life that is consistent with what Christ has done. So the scriptures call us to examine ourselves before we receive. And I'm going to give you a moment right now to do that. To look within. 
declare the Lord as your shepherd. Declare your desire to follow him. And let him speak to you as we prepare to receive the emblems in just a moment. Scriptures remind us to remember what he has done, but then also to give him thanks. So Lord, we just kind of start in that place this morning. We give you thanks for what you have done. We thank you that you don't lead us from the sideline, you don't lead us from some position far behind us, but Lord, you go before because you know the way and because you are the way. And Lord, we place ourselves under your care again. And we thank you that you are the shepherd of our soul. Lord, those things that you have uh, spoken to us about, Lord, I just pray that this communion moment be a time, Lord, where those things are surrendered to you and we leave here having received and consumed the truth and the promise of your word that we might be secure, strengthened, and satisfied. And we thank you for trust you received the emblems on your way in and let me just invite you right now to tear off that top piece of clear cellophane to get to the round wafer and I'll invite you just to do what we have been doing over the last uh, several communions and just taking that wafer and breaking it because his body was broken For us that we might be made whole. Then the unique break that is revealed reminds us that no matter how we are broken, no matter what the shape of our brokenness looks like, what he has done is sufficient. Paul writes these words to the church in Corinth. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, 
we thank you that we are gathered here today to remember what you have done. Lord, and as we hold and look upon this piece of bread, we are reminded that you are sufficient and that through your brokenness we are made whole. And we thank you, Lord God, for that reality. May we receive, Lord God, from you today all that we are in need of. Let's take the cup, or let's take the bread together. take the tab and pull back that pink aluminum foil the juice will be revealed by the sound of things I think you all got it <laughs> I didn't hear any gasps I think the juice is all over me and not in the cup this cup reminds us that um, Christ's blood was shed. It's blood that satisfied the wrath of God, the justice of God. It's the blood that came from the perfect spotless lamb. It's the blood that washes us clean and as white as snow. Jesus in reminding us of this says and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take it this is my body but then in verse 25 it says in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes and I just want you to know today that anything you have confessed, the Lord has forgiven. In any way that you feel weak, He's able to give you His strength. In any way that you have felt defeated, victory is found in Him. And Lord, we thank You for Your shed blood. We thank you for its washing. We thank you for the new covenant that it purchased. We thank you, Lord, that as we remember this, we do so with the hope of your return. And we pray, Lord, that in the days that remain, may you not only do your work in us, but may you do it through us, that we might declare the gospel and share the good news with many. And today, we thank you again for what you have done for us. Let's receive the cup together. I just invite you to stand, and I'm just gonna, we're gonna close the same way that we did Thursday night. We're just gonna sing that simple chorus, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and let that just settle into your heart.
what Christ has done. join me in saying thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord Lord we thank you for the time that we've shared together I pray that as we leave this place Lord may we go in your grace and in your peace may you watch over us and keep us bring us back again safely very soon. And we pray, Lord, that as we leave here today, may we enter into a greater degree of your rest. May we learn, Lord God, more of what it means to follow you. May you lead us and make us, Lord, to experience those green pastures and still water. We thank you, Lord, for the long weekend that we're going to have, and we pray that it would be filled with all of these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock, and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.